0: So the central statement in what I read tonight, the word of the Lord came to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And throughout this message, I want you to put your name, what do you see, and put your name in there. Put your name in there. Because I believe that this is what Elam is all about. Elam is a place where God gives birth to vision. That's what Elam has been about for generations. Where God gives birth to vision. Elam came about because of one man's vision that he received from the Lord. He saw revival. That's what he saw. That was the vision that launched this great institution, this great school, this great ministry. It was a vision. It was words. Revival. Revival. And just in case you might wonder, where does... What does the missions have to do with revival? Well, it has everything to do with revival. Because God's desired outcome for revival is always, always, always to reach nations. And you can't really, really experience the fullness of revival until the, the effects of revival are reaching nations. So that's why, that's why Elam is so, so, so put so much emphasis on revival and so much emphasis on missions. But from this point in time and next year we'll be celebrating 100 years of anniversary. Isn't that wonderful? 100 years. But from 100 years ago Elam's from Elam's history and from a biblical perspective having vision becomes a critical element in knowing God's purposes and knowing God's calling for your life. Having vision is a very critical piece of our knowing, of our going, of our being, having vision. And so a great deal of what you learned and what I learned when I was at Elam was to facilitate the working of the Holy Spirit to impart vision. Every class, every study, every, every ministry I was involved in was there, was given, was provided to help facilitate what the Holy Spirit had me at Elam to do, to receive God's vision. Why? Because God is the God of vision. God is a God of vision. He sees the end from the beginning. He knew us before we were even birthed in our mother's womb. He knew us. He knew our names. He knew everything about us. We serve a God of vision. And so it has to be those who follow the Lord. We have to be children who also carry vision. Who have vision. And God is always at work, even at this hallowed place, to have the Holy Spirit impart vision To each of the students here. It's a very big part of who we are. And this is a primary reason why missions conferences are such a big deal here at Elam. They're such a big deal here. And why? Because this is how the Holy Spirit imparts vision. I remember when Herod and I were here Back in the 70s, the late 70s, we were sitting about right where you were, right there, brother. And and we saw the map, and the president then said, everybody, point to the map. Point to the global map. And I just said, okay, what should I do? And the Lord says, point to Africa, because that's where I'm going to send you. Vision. Vision. And I pointed to Africa, and I just started praying. I had no clue. I didn't know when or where or how. The Lord says, I'm going to send you there. And then after, I was so just fired up by this, because that's what vision does. Fires you up. I turned to my wife. I looked down at her, and she was sitting right next to me. I said, God is going to send us to Africa. I don't know where. And she looked right back at me. She says, God is going to send you, but he hasn't spoken to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, talk about uh, letting the air out of the tire there, you know. But I had vision, you know. And the Lord says, just as I've spoken to you, I will speak to her. You let me do it. You just let me do it. And so for weeks and even for a few months, I never talked to her about it. And then one day in another chapel service, just like she said, the Lord showed her, this is what's going to happen. This is a place where God wants us as as visionaries. People who carry something that God already sees and is inviting us to be partakers of. His vision. His vision. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. I I think often of a a missionary who I have great, great respect for, Kevin Graves. And I remember I wasn't here when Kevin was here. He came, I think, uh, a little bit later. I'm not sure. But Kevin came, and God gave him a vision. I don't know if it was here before he came here, but I knew it was fine-tuned here. He gave him a vision for China. He got a vision for China. I'm using Kevin Graves' name because we all understand. Maybe most of you know about Target Ministries and the impact that Target Ministries has had Uh, on China, and so many multitudes of Chinese have come to Jesus Christ through Target Ministries. But how did it come about? It came about because one man got a vision for it. He got a vision for it. And it was so compelling in his life that he took a year off just to study Chinese. Just to study Chinese. That's what vision can do for you. That's why vision is so important. To get vision while you're here. When we talk about vision, we're talking about, here's a definition. We're talking about the ability to see that which is unseen. That's what we're talking about. The ability to see that which is unseen. It hasn't even happened yet. You may never even, it's not even coming to your mind. It may have never come to your mind. It's in in the realm of the unseen. But it's, 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 it's vitally important for God for us to have vision because it is a imp- compelling factor for us as God is preparing us for where He wants to take us that I have vision, that I've seen something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, verses that you're all familiar with. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Verse 9. That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to us that God has revealed these things. You hear that? It is to us that God has revealed these things by His Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Oh my. Can you hear that? He searches out the deep thoughts of God. Things that are very deep. Do you know how deep that is for the creator of the universe? But only one person knows he plumbs the depth of God's being and understands what's in God's heart, what God sees. What God knows. What God has planned. You see. Verse 11. No one can know a person's thoughts. Except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts. Except God's own spirit. And we have received. We have received God's spirit. Not the world's spirit. So with that we can know The wonderful things God has freely given us. God wants us to be in the know. These are things that He doesn't want to hide from us. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, that the secret things belong to us. The secret things. They belong to us. And so... A big part of, in terms of our spiritual growth and our spiritual formation, is be able to be men and women of vision. Just like our Father, who we serve, is a God of vision. That's a big part of it. But as we talk about vision, let's keep in mind that it is the Holy Spirit who is the primary source of vision. Let's always keep that in mind, lest we drift off into mysticism. The Bible says that it is the Holy Spirit who searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Oh, you see, the the, the, the beauty, the the wonderful uh, uh, element that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives is this beautiful thing of bringing revelation of the secret things of God. Let's not just limit God to one thing or or another thing. Let's, Let's invite the Holy Spirit to have full sway in our lives that we may appropriate those things that rightly belong to us. Jesus told His disciples in John chapter 16 verse 13, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, this is not just religious, uh, you know, talking, you know. This is not just being melodramatic. This is reality when you are Spirit-filled. When you are Spirit-filled, when you are living by the Spirit, you should always expect God to reveal things to you. And it's not like you're trying to be a mystic. It's part of our inheritance as people who walk by the Spirit and in the Spirit who love Jesus. It's part of our inheritance. When the Holy Spirit gives vision, it's not abstract ideas. Neither is it wishful thinking. He doesn't give us wishful thinking. The vision that the Holy Spirit provides is always clear. It's distinct. It's precise. It's specific. It comes directly to us from the mind of God. I want vision. And so remember throughout tonight, the the, the, the title of our message, what is it? What are you seeing? What do you see that you're at Elam? What do you see? When you're sitting in classes, for me, every class was an opportunity for me to see something about God, the character, the nature of God that caused me to say, wow. I was always seeing things. It wasn't just head information. It 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 was an aspect of revelation and enlightenment that was causing me to change. It was vision that was being imparted. God's vision is what gives meaning and purpose in life. When you have seen something from the Lord, and when you have embraced it, your heart is set aflame for God. You see, that, that, that's, it. that's the fire, you see. See, when, when you have vision, and when you embrace the vision, that is what puts fire in you. That's, that's what it, where it comes from. And the Holy Spirit will see to it. He will see to it that you and I and every other person are in a place where we can say, where we can say, I have seen and I know what God is after. I know what God is after. He's preparing me for this. He's working in my life. He is, he is teaching me. So that I, I may fulfill his purposes and plans. Vision produces fervency and passion. I remember when I came here from, from the military, I'd served in the military for a few years, and uh, I, I could have stayed on and, and just went up in the ranks and stuff like that, but God called me out, said, I'm going to prepare you for the ministry. And I, I mean, and uh, that's vision. <laughs> Actually, I stood up here. I said, I wish I had some water. And I was, I was getting ready to come. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't understand this, but I, I know you've prepared. And I said to my wife, I said, are you ready to leave the military? And she said, well, you know, this is what the Lord says. And, and we came here. And I came to this one little town with one traffic light. What? I've come to this little town with one traffic light, and, and, and you're preparing me for ministry for for this little place. I remember that, but you know the the the, the, the most testing period. Well, I was I I, I you know I, I needed to work. You know I, I didn't have you know you know most of us come to Elam and we you know we don't necessarily have all the money that we needed. I certainly didn't, and so I worked uh, on on campus. I was serving it with the maintenance crew. And, uh, and one day, uh, you know, we had a problem with rats. With rats. They were under the administration building. Under the administration building. Dr. A, I think your, your generation put them there. I don't know. <laughs> you were before me. It was your generation that put them there. <laughs> and there were rats there. And they had put uh, poison on the rats. The rats had eaten the poison and died under the building. And the stench of their bodies was rising up. Guess who was assigned to crawl under that building? Guess who was called to take a flashlight with a sack? And so as I was getting on my knees to crawl under the building, I said, what in the world is this, Lord? What in the world is this? Why? And at that time, the Lord spoke to me, because what I have for you, this will prepare you. It's called character. It's called servanthood. It's called being a man after my own heart. I picked up 12 rats that day. I'll never forget them. <laughs> 12 rats under that building. You see, the thing about vision, vision gives you, a, a comp- it compels you so that no matter what you go through in life, the vision that God gives you will sustain you. When everything else around you is fighting and warring against you, You have seen something from God. And you will not be turned away from it. You cannot, you will not be turned away from it. And we stood in there. We hung in there. We went through stuff. Because we had, God was giving us a vision of what he was calling us to do. That's why the title of the message is so important. What do you see? Because you as students must be a seeing student body. You must be able to see beyond just the, just the head knowledge that you're getting and the ministry experience that's all wonderful. But it's, it's pointing to something. It's leading to something. It's something that is, it, it was there before you were even born. That God is anxiously waiting for you to step into vision. But I have to say to you, but vision also takes you to a higher level of responsibility. A higher level of responsibility. You see, your inner life, your inner life must correspond to the outward purposes of God. It has to correspond. So God, in a way, gives you vision so that you can say to yourself, Come on, i got to grow up. i got to be conformed. I've got to be changed. How in the world can I fulfill this This vision, and I'm gonna talk about that. That my inner life must correspond to God's outward purposes. There must be consistency between God's purpose and the life of the person God is calling to be used for that purpose. There has to be. And so, vision is a motivation for you to work harder, to study harder, to be more faithful. Because I want to be worthy of that which I'm being called to do. Vision. Vision. This leads me to the next talking point about vision. Because there's a wrong response to vision that we can have. Number one, it's not seeking. It's coming to an institution, to a place like this. And you're not seeking vision. Or you're not doing anything with a vision that comes from God to you. You're not doing anything with it. You're not seeking it. Or you've got it. God's spoken to you. But you're not doing anything with it. That's the wrong response. And there are people who actually don't care about having God's vision. They don't care about it. People can actually choose not to have vision. Because number one. They don't want to be made more responsible. Or number two they may have their own vision about life and how they're going to live it. They don't want to be made responsible. I want to quote the verse of Scripture out of the Proverbs 29, verse 18. I'm reading out of the Message Bible. It says, without a vision, if people can't see what God is doing, That's what it means without a vision. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. This is the message. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. And so there are times and there are opportunities to get vision and to grow in that vision, but there are people who may just choose just totally disregard that vision. I don't want to be responsible for the things that God is showing. I don't want to hear about it. And it reminds me of what the Bible talks about in Matthew twenty-five, verse fourteen through thirty, talking about those men who servants who received talents one five one two one one, and the talents that they were given. Uh, they, they they represent kingdom responsibilities, not just money. It represents kingdom responsibilities. And we know that parable how people took that, those, those talents and one invested and multiplied it, doubled it, another one doubled it. But the one who had one, just one, buried his talent. And that's what happens to some people when God gives them. He invests. He shows them. He gives them vision. And they do choose to do nothing with it. The Lord called them a wicked servant. Because I gave you something and you did nothing with it. You did nothing with it. But then there's another problem with with vision. People have with vision. It's not going out. It's it's going out and doing something. But something that comes to your mind. Trying to fulfill the vision by your own wisdom. Or by your own ability. Or by your own talent. And this we see happens from time to time here at Elam. And, and visions are often aborted. They're aborted when we try to bring them about in our own strength and ability. That's how they get aborted. God speaks to you, but the inward character is not where, the, 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 where you, you need to be to fulfill the vision. But nevertheless, you try to go out and do it on your own strength. You just try to go out and do it on your own. And the vision is aborted. The Bible says it's not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit is the only one who knows how to bring about the fulfillment of God's vision. He's the only one who knows how to do that. He gives you the vision, but He also has the plan that you need to just adhere to, to see that vision fulfilled. Otherwise, we'll circumvent the ways of the Holy Spirit Through our own efforts. Jesus said in John chapter 3, 5, excuse me, verse 19 through 20. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him to do even greater works than healing than this man. Then you will truly be astonished. I don't know about you, but I want to do the works of Jesus Christ. But I know that I cannot do those works in my own strength, in my own abilities, out of my own imagination. It will never be able to be accomplished. John chapter 5 verse 19 through 20 gives us a template... For successful ministry. This is the template. For successful ministry. Keep your eyes always upon the Lord. That's number one. Jesus said I only do what I see the Father doing. Keep your eyes always upon Jesus. That's right. Keep your eyes always. And the Holy Spirit will enable you to keep your eyes on on the, on the Lord. He's the one who will always keep you focused. The Holy Spirit. He will always say to you, no, that won't help. This won't help. This is where you need to be looking. This is where you need to be going. This is what you need to be reading and meditating on it. This is what it will. This is what Jesus modeled for us. I only do what I see my Father doing. Not only what He will show you, what He was doing, He will show you what to do, but secondly, It will limit what you do to what you see from God. It will limit what you do to only that which you see from God. You know, one of the things that happened when I was at Elam, I think it was about my second year, and I was just stoked. I mean, I was ready. Man, I was ready to do anything for Jesus. I just felt it. I had all this teaching and all this word and everything else. And and I went... I went into the city downtown Rochester, down into the 19th Ward, which which is infamously known for a lot of crime, a lot of things that were happening down there that just wasn't good. And so I did my uh, internship down there in uh, the 19th Ward of Rochester, and there was a ministry down there at that time. This was back in the 70s, and it was a, there was a coffee house, and there was a, there was a medical center run by a, a, a team of Christians. And, and then they, they, they saw this young guy in my 20s, and I was fired up, and I was ready to go. And they offered me an opportunity to, to be full-time in ministry. Ah, I said, I haven't even graduated. Oh, no, you, you're the kind of guy that we need. You're the kind of guy that we want. We want you right here, you know. You can run this, you can run that, you know. And, and we can see that you have all kinds of energy and stuff like that. And I said, wow, I, said, I could really do that. Oh, yeah, you could do that. And I remember coming back to the school here, and I sat down s- talked with uh, the academic dean who was at that time Paul Johansson. Paul Johansson asked me one question. Are you finished? Is God finished with you? I said, whoa. Is God finished with you? And I could not rightly say he's finished. Then he said, Paul said, then you're not finished. Then you're not ready to step out from this school and be full-time. I said, wow. And it was the answer that I needed to hear. It is what I needed to hear, you see. Because the template that Jesus showed us was a template that says that I will not, I I won't limit what, what God wants to do by doing it on my own. Or stepping out in my own strength and my own ability. Choosing my timing, my way, my, uh, my, my direction I want to go to fulfill God's vision in my life. I won't do that. And that's a picture of Jesus when he was just 12 years old. When he was in the temple and he was sitting. His parents found him sitting with all the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Asking these Powerful questions as a, as a young kid, and his mother says, You know, what are you doing here? We've been looking for you. And he says, You know, shouldn't I should not be about my father's business, but yet he submitted to his parents and he went back home. At that moment, that if he was not watching his father, he could have just said, You know, I'm ready to go, I'm 12 years old, I can do this thing, but he didn't do it, he submitted. So the template for successful ministry is keep your eyes always upon the Lord. And he will show you what to do. And secondly, limit what you do to what you see from God. Limit what you do to only what you see from God. If God isn't in it, don't do it. No matter how good it looks. If God isn't in it, don't do it. Let me say a few other things what vision is not. Vision, I said earlier, is not mysticism. Mysticism, by, uh, I took a definition of it in the context that I'm using, that mysticism is the belief that that direct knowledge of God, spiritual truth, or ultimate reality can be attained through subjective experience, such as intuition or insight. But any vision or any revelation that comes apart from inspiration of Scripture or revelation by the Holy Spirit can never be trusted. Can never be trusted. If it does not come by inspiration from Scripture or revelation from the Holy Spirit, it cannot be trusted. No matter how much melodious music may be behind it. You see, see, a a cult is driven by a transcendent belief system that tells you you can enjoy a better life without salvation through Jesus Christ and outside of what the Word of God says. That's what mysticism says. You can go to a better place even without being saved, even without... Being led of the Holy Spirit. That's mysticism. It is important to know. It's important to know this. The distinction between being a man or a woman of vision. And a person who's just simply a mystic. It's important to know this. Because it says in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 through 2. In the Message Bible. It says the Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on. Some are going to give up on the faith and choose after, choose after demonic illusions. Put forth by a professional liar. And these liars have lied so well and for so long that they've lost their capacity for truth. And it's already out there. People are trying to redefine Christianity right now. You can see it right now. The world is just trying to redefine. They're they're not, you know, the devil is slick. He's not coming against Christianity. He's trying to redefine Christianity. Without redemption, that only comes by Jesus, the blood of Christ, and without the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that when we start talking about being a man or a woman of vision, where it comes from. But now I want to talk about, and uh, this will be the the final thing that I want to share about vision. These are the three areas. What constitutes vision? What are, I'm gonna just, just going to highlight three elements of vision where we see throughout Scripture where men and women of God have vision. There's, these, there's always these three elements in there. And so I'm going to talk to you about those three elements right now, three elements. And one element comes right out of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3, the first element. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above Him, each having six wings, with two each covered His face, with two each covered His feet, with two each flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of His glory. I want to say to you right now at this conference, God's glory is the most powerful motivation for missions. There's nothing greater to motivate you to live and die than God's glory. Nothing is greater than that. And Isaiah's vision of God's glory captivated his heart and it compelled him to answer God. Here I I am. Send me. What was it that so apprehended his life? It was the picture of God's glory. And so the first, the first aspect of vision is having a vision of God's glory. That is the most important aspect of vision. Of when you begin to see God for who He is. To see God in all of His perfections. To see God in the excellency of His character and nature. To see God in His worthiness and His value that is infinite. That becomes a compelling element in your life that will, will cause you to say, wherever you go, wherever you send me, I will go because of your glory. And that's why the, the classes that I was at uh, experience at Elam were so important to me. Because I just didn't get head knowledge. I got, a, I got a, an understanding of the nature and the character of God. New Testament survey, Old Testament survey. Whatever it was, there was an element in those studies that presented to me a picture of God that was worth living for and worth dying for. See? God's glory. I'm moved by who He is and what He's done. It moves me to tell other people about Him. It moves me. Whether it's in Walmart or whether it's on the mountains of the Himalayas. I have been moved by His glory to tell somebody about Him. See, His glory. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of praise. Students, let me say this to you. Don't allow a day to go by without giving God glory and praise for who He is to you. Don't let a day go by without giving God glory and praise. Not a day. Not a day. No matter how bad you feel, no matter how uh, shaky the ground might be, there's always something about God that you can praise Him for. Hear me now. That is a primary motivation for all ministry, God knowing God's glory. We need to live for His glory. We need to praise His glory, acknowledge His glory, live to the praise and honor Of his glory. The second element of vision. The second element. And I could speak on the first much longer. Is having vision of what God wants to do. Having vision of what God wants to do. Let's turn to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the watchtower. Chapter 2, 1 through 3. And I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. And how I may reply when I am reprimanded. Verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write down the vision. And inscribe it clearly on tablets. So that one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hurries towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it delays, wait for it. For it will certainly come. It will not delay long. Scripture says to number one. Record the vision. Write down what God wants to do. First, He will show you what He wants to do. He will show you a people group. He will show you a nation. He won't show everyone the same vision. He won't. What He shows you will be different from you. What He shows you will be different from you. Because that's just how immense God is. The whole world is in His heart. But it's only... But he takes part of the world and gives you that and gives you that so that we may join him in fulfilling his vision, his plan for that area of the world. And God said to Habakkuk, write the vision. You write this down. What's on my heart? Write it down. Secondly, he said, trust in the vision. Hold on to it. Don't, don't, don't let it just slip away. That's what, what I talked about earlier. When people get vision and they just kind of neglect it, forget it, dump it. Don't do that. Trust in the vision. It will certainly come about. God's word will never return unto him void. Never, 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 never. When God spoke to us about going to Nigeria or going to Africa, we didn't know what country to go to. I never even knew how to get there. When or what. We never knew Wow. Never knew. But ever since then, I knew it was God's heart, God's desire. I, I'll never forget, I have to say this, honey. Okay. I remember taking a team. I was taking a team. Uh, we were going to a village in Ghana. It was it was way off the coast. It was several miles in. We we were we were walking. It was late at night. And we finally got to the village where we were at and you know, we were so tired, and we just kind of camped out. We just fell asleep, woke up in the morning. And our whole desire was to share the gospel in this vi- village. And, and uh, somebody came to us uh, from the, you know, the, the leadership of the village, and they asked, what are you doing here? And I said, we're here to just share some good news that we would, uh, about God and about what God wants to do. And he says, you can't do that unless you get permission. You just can't walk in here. I said, well, what do we need to do? You need to get permission. You need to come to, to one of the elders and talk to them. So I said, okay, and I got another brother with me, was part of the team, and, and we went to the center part of the village uh, uh, where that's where the, the, the leaders met, and uh, we were ushered into a place, and there was a little seat for us, and we sat down, and when he came in, and he sat in a higher seat, so he looked down on us, you know. That's how it was. And the whole time I was praying, but I said, you know, I've never been asked what to do. This has never happened before. I've traveled and done so many things. Nobody has ever said I need to get permission to share the gospel. I was a little spoiled. and I was praying the whole time and remembering what the word of the Lord says. The word of the Lord says, when you come to certain situations and circumstances, don't worry about what you have to say. I'll give you the words. And I remember that, that day as clear as it was today that I sat there and I just opened my mouth and I said, I said, chief, and he and I had to speak through a, a mediator. He would, I would speak, and then he would speak in the language of that particular village. And that's how it went. And so I would speak, and I said, chief, I know from many, 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 many years ago, my forefathers came from somewhere around here. <laughs> I knew I was right. I knew I had come from somewhere around. I knew I was from this part of Africa. I knew it. For my features. I knew it. That I've come from. Our forefathers came from somewhere here. And chief, you you know the story how how many of us left this land. And we were taken forcefully from this place. And moved to another country that was not our own. Who spoke a language that we did not know. And suffered a life that we did not want. You know this. And the guy was translating. Just translating. But we were introduced to a God that we had no relationship with. And this God reached out to us. And this God explained to us that He's a God who loves all people and redeemed all people with the blood of His Son. And we who are not His people became His people. Oh, I was on a roll. I was on a roll. The Holy Spirit was just moving. I was on a roll. And we who were not his people became his people. And God raised us up. And the Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And one day, not only were we free from our sins, we were free to, to, to live like every other, every other person. We were free to live. And then I rose up in my seat. Didn't stand up, but I rose up as far as I could. And now I am a son of this soil. I said it very affirmatively. I am a son of this soil, and I've come back to tell you about this God who sets us free. Well, the elder sat up in his chair and he said, in perfect English, You are welcome to our village. You are welcome to our village. And I said to God, that's the vision. That's the vision. That's the vision. Trust the vision. And then God says, wait for the vision. Wait for it. I'm going to repeat what Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen says. Without a vision, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And we will stumble serving on the mission field without God's vision, without God's heart for the people. You see, it's not just enough having a sense of what God wants us to go do, where God wants us to go. We've got to have a vision of what God wants, what's on God's heart. And, And unfortunately, this was a problem with Jonah in the Bible. This was Jonah's problem. Jonah went to Nineveh without God's vision, without God's heart for the Ninevites. That's what he did. He went without God's heart, without God's vision. And without God's vision, you will never be broken by the things that break God's heart. And you will never be moved with compassion for the people that you're being called to. It will never happen. It is very important. And I know missionaries, not many, but I know missionaries that have gone to the field. And they have gone to the field without God's heart, without God's vision for the people. And it's not their calling for them. It's always a job. That's all it is. It's just a job. And they're serving on the field without getting God's vision and God's heart for the people. Beloved, I'm saying this to you right now. While you're at Helam, if God is calling you, get His heart. For what He's calling you to. Don't be satisfied with just getting a sense of, I need to be there. God, what is your heart? What is your vision? You see, when the disciples were standing with Jesus wondering, why in the world are we in Samaria? Why do we go to this place? The Lord Jesus says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. See, see, when we talk about vision, we're talking about the ability to see as God sees. Not, not, not just as how you see it, but it's the ability to see as God sees. And our constant prayer should always be asking God, God, give me your vision for the people that you're being called, that you're calling me to serve. Now, the last element in vision, let me hear it here, is having vision of what God is calling you to do. Now that you have, have had a vision of God's glory, the most compelling factor that motivates us in missions, And now that you have a vision of what's God's heart and what's on God's mind, the next thing is to have a vision of what God is calling you to do. One of my favorite scripture references to this point comes from God's calling upon Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 33. (laughs) I love this. When the Lord said to Moses, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Verse 10, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And so immediately, Moses heard God's calling upon his life, and his response was, who, me? Not me. And so one of, the, one of the things we see time and time again when God gives a vision to a man or a woman that He wants them to do something, we understand that God's vision for the call of God upon their lives. Listen, this is very important, brothers and sisters. God's vision upon your life will always exceed your natural abilities, your natural talents, your natural giftings. They will always exceed them. They will always. Whatever the call of God is on your life, you will never find the ability to do that in anything that you have. It will never be there. And if the response that comes from your mouth is not, I can't do that. Then most likely, it's not a vision from God. If that's not your initial response, I can't do that then most likely it's not a vision from God. Because in truth, you won't be able to fulfill God's vision in your own might or your own power. It's just not going to happen. Moses protested about being called to this at least five times. But God's answer to Moses' protests was the declaration of his name. I am that I am. I love it. I don't know about you. I saw the original Ten Commandments with Charleston Heston. Did you see the original Ten Commandments? No one plays Moses like Charleston Heston. Some of you don't even know who Charleston Heston is. Some of you do. He was a great actor during our time. He played the role of Moses in the Ten Commandments. And I'll never forget the, move, the movie when uh, he was standing before the burning bush and Charleston Heston was shaking in his boots and he had the staff. And he said, Who do I say, Lord, that sent me? And the Lord says, I am that I am. Well, I was a kid when I heard that. I am that I am. And I'll remember, I just went down in my chair. <laughs> it scared me to death. But I believed. I believed that there was a God when I heard, I am, that I am. Without even understanding theologically what all that meant to later on, that God is the self-existing, God is the self-sufficient, God is the eternal God. And he said to Moses, I am that all you need to fulfill the vision I've called you to be. I am. That's all you need. I am. All you need to fulfill the vision that I have for your life. You see, God's vision for your life and my life is never based upon human qualifications nor by outward characteristics. Did not the Lord say to Samuel, the prophet, when God was sending him to get a replacement for Saul? Did not God say to Samuel, quote, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. But the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Young people, older people, the preparation of your heart is more important to God's vision for your life than anything else. More than anything else. I'm not devaluing the importance of all the studies that you have to do. I've tried to, to reinforce that. But nothing is as important as the preparation of your heart for what God wants to do. David's most outstanding quality was that he was a man after God's own heart. That was the most outstanding quality about David. Yes, he was a warrior, Yes, he was a a musician. He was a worshiper. But the most outstanding feature about David was he was a man after God's own heart. In closing, God's vision for your life begins with with showing you his glory. And then he will give you a vision for what he wants to do. Not what you want to do. Not what you think about the people over here. Or what you think about the people over there. It's what he thinks about the people. He will give you a vision of his heart. And finally, God will give you a vision for what he wants you to do. I'm going to ask the piano player to come up right now. Just come on up really, really, if you very quickly. Just, just play something.